138, it says in verse 8, it says, that the Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. Uh, and the beginning of that uh, is the part that I wanted to talk about this morning was the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. So if anything that concerns you, it's not talking about concern like worry. It's just things that are related to your life, right? Anything that's related to your life, then the Lord will perfect or accomplish or complete those things. Now, of course, we know that has to uh, fall in line with the rest of the counsel of God that is things that are according to the will of God. But there's a lot of things that are according to the will of God <coughs> that um, fall into your life that there's not necessarily a book, chapter, and verse for that thing. Uh, and so uh, that's specific faith. But then there's verses like this that are really general faith that you can apply to lots of different things that, that you don't have a book, chapter, and verse for. And I just wanted to give a testimony about one of those things uh, in our lives. Uh, and so I think most of you all, uh, not everybody, but most of you all have met my dog, Clark, right? Uh, and so Clark was named after Clark Kent Superman, so he's a super dog. And uh, in, in his mind, he is super dog. Now, he's little, but in his mind, you know, he's a big old dog. Uh, and he sounds like, if you ever heard him bark, he sounds like a monster, right? Uh, and, um, uh, and that's really his only flaw is how loud he barks. He's so loud, right? And especially if you're sitting there in the living room and, and, and uh, just, you know, reading or something or watching TV or something and, 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 a, and you know, a mailman drives by or something, he'll just bark at, uh, and it's so loud, you know? Uh, and so, uh, but uh, a couple months ago, uh, we noticed that uh, he was limping a little bit. Uh, and then it got uh, real bad where, you know, he could barely walk. And so we, we took him to the, uh, to the vet uh, and have him checked out. Uh, and, you know, the vet uh, uh, said, well, you know, because of his shape, you know, Clark is, is, is small, but he's dense, right? I mean, he's, he's uh, I don't know what his density is, but it's dense, right? He's like 55 pounds, but he's, he's just, you know, a foot tall. Uh, and so I said, well, you know, for his body type, uh, he's just going to have arthritis, uh, and, um, uh, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, that's bad news. Uh, and, 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 you know, there's really no such thing as bad news. There's just news. There's not good news. There's not bad news. There's just news. Amen. What you decide to do with it will determine whether it's good news or bad news. Right. Uh, and so I just determined it's just news. It's just information. Uh, and so since it's information, you know, I don't have to be despondent about it. Uh, and, um, you know, there's no book, chapter and verse in the Bible that says God will heal your dog. Right. There's now we know first Peter two twenty four says by his stripes you were healed. Right. So the covenant of healing is with people, uh, not with dogs. Uh, and, but the, there are verses like Psalm one thirty eight eight says that the Lord will perfect those things which concerned you. So, you know, he's my dog and and, uh, you know, he's part of my life. Uh, and uh, I know there's no promise that a dog will live forever and someday he will he will pass on. Uh, but between now and then. You know, uh, I want him to be healthy. I don't want him to, you know, his last five years of his life, you know, on, on an IV, you know, somewhere. Uh, and uh, and so uh, so we just started laying hands on him, started speaking uh, faith over our dog. Right. Uh, he's healed uh, because of this verse right here that the Lord perfects those things which concerns us. Uh, and so uh, here last week, uh, Clark's been running with Chris. Chris runs uh, sometimes in the morning uh, and he couldn't even walk, you know, uh, two or three weeks ago uh, without limping really badly. And um, uh, but now he's out running. And so uh, we're going to believe God that our dog is going to be healthy until the day that he's not uh, doesn't need to be on the earth anymore. Uh, and so because the Lord 
will perfect those things which concern you. Amen. So you have a right and privilege by God to uh, to believe God for things that concern you. And he'll perfect and accomplish those things uh, related to your life. And so I just want to encourage you about that. There was, it's been a great testimony. And uh, because, you know, you don't like to see your your pet suffer any more than you like to see anybody else suffer. And and so. And we tried, you know, the, the medication, but it wasn't doing anything for him at all. So. Uh, uh, but the Lord's uh, promises always work. Amen. Uh, and so Clark's doing well and uh, he's out running. He still thinks he's fast enough to chase my daughter's uh, big German shepherd, you know, and he'll give it a good faith effort. But, you know, uh, after the first 10 feet, it's all, it's already over. Right. And so uh, but in his mind, you know, he thinks he can catch up to him. So uh, but um, but we thank God for that. Amen. Uh, and so let's stand and greet each other for just. Oh, yes. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. 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 Amen. And, and and the doctor said she needed a full a full shoulder replacement, you know, just like you get a knee replacement. So they do uh, shoulder replacements. And I told her she had to have a full shoulder replacement. And then because uh, uh, when tendons tear, you know, they don't heal back. They have to be sewed back. Right. They, they don't to heal up automatically, like even like a broken bone will do. You now they have to be sewed back. And so uh, and she even had me. Uh, you could feel it where the tendons had torn and, and um, uh, in her arm. And um, uh, and the nice thing is, you know, uh, since she's not a dog, she has actually healing scriptures that are that apply to her. Right. And so <laughs> she has an upgrade. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Amen. And so. uh so that yeah, and I'm and thanks for mentioning that, uh, Miss Doris uh, Dora, because uh, I had thought, well, I need to let her give that testimony because that's a good testimony, amen. Uh, that because uh, now she doesn't now she could have done surgery, and the Lord could have uh, taken care of her during the surgery, but uh, it's a whole lot easier to not have to go th through surgery, especially when you get joint replacement. You know, you've got physical therapy and 
And, uh, you know, those physical therapists, they're all mean, right? I mean, they pull on you and they make you do things. And, uh, and uh, you know, and you're crying, they shut up, you know, do it anyway. And, and um, you know, they're tough on you. And so, uh, so that was a great testimony. And, and um, uh, the, Lord healed, the Lord can heal anything, amen? You know, you're not required just because uh, you've got an extra year on your calendar uh, that things start to, start to wear out and break and slow down and quit working. Uh, there's nothing in the Bible that says those things will happen, amen? Uh, and, uh, and so uh, we can believe God to the last breath we, we take on this earth, amen? Uh, and, and that's really, uh, you know, uh, for your faith, uh, it's, it's helpful for you to stick with it regardless of what you observe in the natural realm, amen? So it doesn't matter if you don't see the symptoms changing, the Word of God doesn't change. Uh, and so between your symptoms uh, in the Word of God, there's only one of them that can change, and that's going to be your symptoms, amen? So if you stick with the Word of God, and, um, and you know, of course, we're not trying to sell books at all, but um, the book on healing, the Scriptures, uh, you want to build up your faith in healing, read that book, right? Because uh, it's just Bible verses, and, and, uh, uh, and you can read it in 27 different, actually 400 different translations, right? Uh, or so, not every single verse there, uh, but... Um, but praise God, we thank God for, for his healing power. Amen. Uh, and so let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and we'll get into praise and worship. You are a holy Father. Father, you instructed us that because you're holy that we should be holy. There is none like you, Father. You're the only precious, mighty God. You're the only one worthy, Father the elders, Father, to lift their hands and declare that you're holy. You're the only one worthy, Father, of the angels to lift their voices and to declare you're worthy. Father, you're the only one that the very rocks, Father, will cry out and to declare your goodness in the earth. Father, all of creation knows your name. All of creation, Father, has the capacity to worship you. Father, we do it by choice. Because you are worthy to be worshipped. You are worthy to be adored, Father. We thank you for that, Father. We thank you for your goodness and kindness and mercy that you've extended towards us. We thank you, Father, for the exceeding greatness of your power, Father. It's working in us. Thank you, Father. You are holy. Father, we choose to be holy as you are. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Father, we thank you. Jared, I need to pray for you. That's okay if you'll come up here. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and mercy and kindness towards us. Father, we thank you your child, Jared, 
the name of Jesus. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes, leadership in sports and games this week. Leadership to lead and guide. this week, but more than leadership in games and fun, leadership in the realm of the Spirit, leadership to lead and guide in the ways of faith, in the ways of salvation, leadership to lead and guide in the ways of the Spirit, and in my word, to set the foundation set the course and the direction of those around you, those to whom I've sent you. So be aware of my leading. Be aware of my leadership in your life to transfer that leadership into the hearts and minds of the youth. Be aware, and I will direct your paths to the steps and the words to speak of a surety said that I will lead you and guide you to advance my kingdom in the lives of these youth. Be sure to give me all the praise and honor and glory for it. Thank you. Father, we thank you that you lead us and guide us in all three. You show us things to come. Father, you're the great example of leadership in our lives. We thank you, Father, that we worship you and you alone. Father, we give you all praise and honor for these things. We thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? You know, we were saying, uh, singing that the Lord is holy. You know, holiness is not a lack of sin, right? And holiness is not the result of removing sin from your life. Uh, the lack of sin is a product of your holiness. So you're holy, uh, which just means to be separate and to be like no one else except for the Lord. The result of being like the Lord is a lack of sin. Amen. Sometimes we try to achieve the blessings of the Lord in, in the wrong direction. We think if we remove sin, then, then we're good. The only problem is, uh, you reckon you'll ever be able to remove 100% of your sin out of your life? I mean, if that's your whole goal, then what are you focused on every day? Sin, right? Is that their goal of life, is to be aware of sin and to talk about sin? And you remember Paul talked a lot about that, about how, because in the Old Testament, that all there was was a remembrance of sin because of their sacrifices. They had to go and do a sacrifice every year and remind themselves about their sin. Uh, and that's not the plan of God. That's not the, the best that God has for you. The best that God has for you is a life where you may go uh, like minutes without thinking about sin. You know, sometimes you can go for a whole hour, you know, a day or a week or a month, even a year. Can you imagine going a whole year without thinking about sin? Uh, wouldn't that be nice? Well, that's that's the that's the really when you live a life that's holy before the Lord, then uh, the fruit of that is that your consciousness is not always thinking about sin all the time. Uh, and, you know, sometimes in a church. All we focus on is sin, 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 sin. 
Uh, and, and then we become sin conscious. It's all we think about is what things are we doing wrong? What things might we do wrong? What things is everybody else doing wrong? Uh, then, then all we think about is sin. And that, that's not, that was not the primary goal of redemption, was to, was to deal with your sin. The primary goal of redemption was to get the Spirit of God on the inside of you so that you become a child of the living God. That was the goal of redemption. Sin was a necessary part to deal with, but it wasn't the goal. Uh, sometimes you think in the church that the goal is to get rid of sin. That is not the goal of your life, is to get rid of sin. The goal of your life, according to Galatians 5.16, is to walk in the Spirit. And he said, if you walk in the Spirit, Paul said that if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the what? Lust of your flesh. So are we supposed to focus on the sin, or are we supposed to focus on walking in the Spirit? We focus on walking in the spirit and the fruit of that, the result of that, then is that we have less sin in our lives. Amen. Amen. And if you walk 100 percent in the Lord, in the spirit of God, then you walk 100 percent free from sin. Uh, if you only focus on sin and remove all the sin out of your life, you're still not walking any closer with God. You're just free from sin. All you've done is got check marks in your life. And, and I can guarantee you the person who thinks that they're free from sin with most prideful condescending legalistic harsh individual you'll ever meet because they're going to push it all on you well i didn't do that so you you shouldn't do that well aren't you special right i'm glad that you didn't do that but you know uh, that's not my goal in life is to is to measure all my sin uh, because sometimes our measure of sin is how how much uh, or how little of sin i walk compared to you and we think our goal is to be better than you Right. Because if I'm better than you, then, you know, it's like the two guys in the in the in the woods. Right. Getting chased by a bear. And the one guy says, well, how are we going to outrun the bear? And the other guy says, well, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. Uh, and, you know, because that we think that's our goal is just outrun you. Because, you know, we figure if, if I'm ahead of you, then you're going to get zapped and I'll be OK. Uh, and the bear will eat you. But he, and, and so he won't eat me. That's not my goal in life is just to be better than you, because that's a pretty low bar. Right. I mean, we can always find somebody that we're better at than something, right? Uh, and so, uh, and of course, uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, they only want people around them that they're better than, than, than them. I want people around me that's better than me so I can learn from them, that knows more than me, that knows how to walk in the Spirit of God more than me, that knows more about faith than I know, that knows more about the Word of God than I know. I already know everything that I know. I know it's a, it's a pretty deep statement, but I already know everything I know. So the only way I can get more information is to hang around people that's got information that I don't, that I don't have. Amen? Amen. Uh, and so uh, we thank God for, for these things. Amen? Amen. Uh, and so make sure in your life that you're not trying to focus everything in your life about how little sin am I walking in. Because all you're thinking about is what? Sin. Yeah. Uh, and what will happen is you'll start playing games. Well, that's really sin. Uh, I mean, God said it was sin. Yeah, but it's... You know, we will start looking for loopholes. Well, only on Tuesday is it sin. So it's Wednesday. So it's not really sin. Right. So we start making these playing these mind games about how that is not really sin. Well, I didn't really mean it. So therefore, it's not sin. Uh, and so uh, because all you're focused on is sin and the consequences of that sin. And, and I know that, you know, sin and death go together. Uh, but uh, we've got to be careful about focusing so much on sin. If we'd focus so much on the power of God, the presence of God, the, the leading of the Holy Spirit, I can guarantee you, you'll walk a whole lot less in sin than if you're just keeping a list in your pocket. Well, I got to get rid of this one. I got to get rid of that one. You're not ever thinking about God. You're thinking about all the things you're doing wrong. Uh, I'm going to get rid of this one. 
Uh, and, you know, the Lord may deal with you about specific sins and, and let him do that if, if that's what he's doing. Uh, but he'll deal with you in those specific sins uh, by the word of God. Hey, walk closer to me. Uh, he's not going to condemn you. Well, there you go again. Uh, there's another notch in your belt. You know, maybe one of these days you'll get over it. I don't know. Um, he's going to say, do the word. He's going to find more word for you to operate in that will allow you to be successful against that sin. There's no sin in your life that you can't overcome. Uh, if you, and if you fall in that sin a thousand times, a thousand times, get up and say, tomorrow I'm going to do better. Uh, don't ever just say, well, that's just the way that I am. That's the worst fail- failure that you'll ever commit in your life. Well, that's just the way that I am. I don't know. A lot of times as we get older, we say, well, that's just the way that I am. Well, you know, so you don't change. I mean, the only one I know that doesn't change is God. Have you achieved being like God? If you're not like God, then change. Because if you're not like God, then you've got to do some changing. Because you can either change now or you can change later. Someday you're going to have to change. And I guarantee you it's going to be way easier to change now than when you get to heaven. Uh, because you get, have to do it by faith now. You know, when you get to heaven, I don't know. You know, God may send you to a thousand years of remedial school, you know, before you get to change, right? Uh, and so uh, it's, it's to your advantage to learn how to change now. Amen. Uh, and, and do any of us look like the Lord? You know, if none of us look like the Lord, why are we so hard on each other? You know, I never have, I never have understood why people get uh, so uh, condemning about sin. And I understand there's some things that, you know, the sins that, that bother me the most that I see in people's lives aren't the sins that people commit. It's the sins that they commit that hurt other people. When they're, you know, bullying people or unkind to people or judgmental against people or prideful against other people about how they think they're better than other people. You know, I can't tell you how many times people call me up about people, you know, and say, you know, and, and they're kind of almost uh, prideful about how much better they are than these other people over here. Well, those people over there, you know, uh, you know, and I'm thinking, well, the a human being, you know, uh, I know they're not perfect, but uh, I'm not better than them because I don't do the things they're doing. Amen. Uh, and we, we've got to be really careful about being con- condescending against people that that do things that well i would never do that well isn't that wonderful right uh and so uh, uh you know it's it just uh <clears throat> the, the, and, and really the the sins that the bible talks about uh, uh, as far as being the worst sins are sins that hurt other people uh the bible calls them an abomination uh, hands that shed innocent blood right uh, a lying tongue uh just things that hurt other people amen and most of them are, are, are spiritual sins. You know, they're not physical sins, which you go and, you know, slash someone's tires. They're things that, that, are, that uh, relate to the heart of man. Because Jesus said it's not the things that go into you that defile you. It's things that come out of you that defile you. Uh, and so, uh, so just make sure that you don't have a sin consciousness, that, that your life is not spent thinking about sin. Uh, because if it is, then you're just a legalistic person. Uh, and, and you'll be really harsh on people around you. Uh, now, the problem that I've found is if you can get to that point, other people think that, that you are uh, allowing sin, that you are saying that sin is okay and that sin's not a problem and that, well, you know, you're giving people a license to sin. You know, it, it's just, there's nothing in the Bible that says you have a license to sin, is there? Uh, have we ever taught that there's a license to sin? No, there's a, the only license you have is to do the will of God. Uh, and we, 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 may not, we make no excuse for sin. But people sin. And, 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 you know, it's almost like people don't believe that people sin. 
You know, there, there, are, there is a group, uh, a group of the church of the Lord Jesus, the whole church, right? There's a group of people who really believe that they commit no sin as Christians. And they, because they believe if they commit a sin, they will die and go to hell. So therefore, they commit no sin. Well, just because you say you don't commit a sin doesn't mean you're not committing sin. In fact, what did, what did John say in the book of First John? If you say you have no sin, what? He said, you're a liar, right? I mean, that's pretty tough. Oh, I don't ever sin. <laughs> that you're a liar. Because John said that if you say that you have no sin, that you're a liar. Uh, and so uh, it's a, that's a tough place to be, right? Uh, and so, uh, but on the other hand, uh, you shouldn't say, well, I'm going to sin anyway, so just, it's not worth the trouble. Well, that's just giving it up, right? No, follow the Lord. Follow the Spirit of God. The closer you follow the Spirit of God, the less desire uh, that you have to sin. Because the problem is that the desires of your flesh are stronger than, than the desires of your spirit. And that's really the issue. Uh, you know, it, it's just, uh, you know, th there are things that I like to eat, but I just like them a little bit. You know, I mean, every now and then, you know, they're okay. Like green peas. You know, I like green peas. But, you know, when I think, man, I don't want anything in my life, you know, I never, I never go, you know, at 9 o'clock at night and go down to Sonic and get a bowl of green peas, right? Now, I might go and get a, you know, they got those little ice cream things with a Reese's peanut butter cup. Now, I'll drive all the way across town to get ice cream with the Reese's peanut butter cups. You know, I mean, that's worth the effort, right? Yeah. I've never thinking, you know, I need a bowl of green peas more than anything. I want green peas right now, right? So, I mean, they're, like, they're way down here. Now, I like them, but they're way down here, right? But see, because my, my desire for Ice cream with, with Reese's is strong. It's that way up here, right? Yeah. So I don't ever think about the green peas. Now, I'll, I'll eat them every now and then, but they're not that big of a deal. Yeah. Uh, and, and really, when, you, when you're, the desire to follow the Spirit of God is so strong, yeah. the desire to follow the flesh becomes weak. It, it's either or. It's not, they're never, well, they're the same, you know. Uh, it, it's either or. So develop the desire for your spirit to follow after God. And, and, you know, the green pea desire is like, you know, I hadn't really thought about green peas in months and months, right? Now, some people hate green peas, right? Uh, I mean, you know, I, I like them just fine. You know, they're just, you know, if you put enough butter and salt and pepper on them, you know, they're, they're all right, you know. And, um, and so, so work on, on, on the desire of the spirit in your life. Work on following the spirit of your life. Uh, and if you're dealing with sin that, that you're just uh, over and over again, then you need to press into the spirit more. Amen. Uh, don't become more legalistic. That's not the that's not the answer to your life. Amen. The more the the answer is be led by the Spirit more. Amen. Because He said He would lead you out of every opportunity to sin. Right. Mm -hmm. That uh, in every opportunity to sin, that uh, uh, that He will give you an opportunity to get out. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and so don't ever say I couldn't help it. Because the Lord said that's not true. I gave you a way out right there. Right. You know. And and, and, and of course some people put themselves in the position of sin all the time. Right. Uh, and, and we're not here talking about that we're talking about other things but we are talking about overcoming and that's one way to overcome right remember jesus said many ways to overcome is you remember uh well remember what remember what the word says remember what the spirit of god says amen how many things has the spirit of god spoken to you over your life that if you just remember that one thing he spoke to you it would help you overcome people a lot of times will forget what he said uh, and there are things that the lord's told us uh me and chris uh, just in our lives as, as, uh, as Christians that we hold on to. We haven't seen the fruit of them yet, uh, but we hold on to them because he spoke them to us. And, and we're going to hold on to them to the end. Well, what, you know, what if it doesn't happen? We're going to hold on to the end. Amen. It will happen. Uh, and so uh, he said, remember, that's one, one great way to overcome. Remember, remember what the word says. Remember that the spirit of God lives on the inside of you. Remember that you can succeed. Uh, so many times I hear 
Christians with defeatist attitudes. Well, you just can't do it. It's just not, it's not possible. It's too hard. None of those things are true. Uh, we need to speak words of faith. Remember what the word says. Remember what Jesus has said. Remember, remember what the spirit of God has said. Amen. Uh, and so our, our foundation scriptures here in John 16, 33, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. So our peace doesn't come because of the lack of warfare. Our peace comes because we are in him. You know, a lot of times people think if I just get rid of all my problems, I would be at peace. But the problem is, if you got rid of all your problems, you're still there. Whatever's inside of you is still there. Uh, and so uh, peace is not the result of a lack of problems. Peace is a is a fruit. It's a result of some prior action of faith. And, and here Jesus said the peace is a result of you being in him. He didn't say uh, uh, these things I have spoken into uh, unto you that once you get rid of all of your problems, you'll have peace. Is that what he said? In fact, what did he say right after that? In the world, you shall have what? Tribulation. Well, how in the world can you have peace in the midst of tribulation? By being in him. You can be in him and go, wow, that looks like tribulation over there. Huh, somebody should do something. Uh, and then not be upset about it. Uh, people say things to you or do things against you. You can be at peace about it. Uh, and they'll look at you like you're crazy. How could you be at peace in the midst of this? Now, I remember years ago when I, when I was in the corporate world, we had this real uh, difficult conversation we had to have with a customer. And basically, we had to tell this customer, well, you know, we're not going to give you millions of dollars for this one particular problem. And here's why. Uh, in my job, I had to tell the customer, hey, we're not going to give you these millions of dollars. And here's why. And so as I'm talking, the guy just, you know, now we was on a phone call. This is back before Zoom and the video calls. You know, these are just audio calls. And the guy just got spitting mad. Well, that sure is pretty convenient, big boy, you know, and, and uh, just screaming at me on the phone, you know. And so I'm just, you know, by that time, I learned, it's like, well. Uh, he's just screaming, you know, uh, his blood pressure is increasing and I'm just, you know, waiting for him to get done. So, well, that's the way it is. You know, after, after all that, well, that's just the way it's going to be. If we got dumb people, how, I don't know how in the world you could stand there uh, and let him say those things to you. And well, I didn't hear anything he said. I heard peace. So when you, when you hear peace, you don't hear all the crazy things they say against you. You just hear, I'm at peace because he can't eat you he's you know hundreds of miles away all they can do is say things about your mama you know and say things about your dog and uh, don't talk about my dog you know he's the healed of god uh, and so uh they can just they can say but you can be at peace he didn't say you're going to have peace because of a lack of tribulation he said you have peace because you're in him so again and and really if that that theme is all throughout the word of god if you stay in him then you commit no sin if you stay in him then you have full peace. Uh, he didn't say that there's not uh, that there's all the sins are going to be removed in the world, and all the temptations are going to be removed in the world, and all the tribulations are going to be removed in the world. And then once all those things happen, then you can live free from those things. No, he said there's still going to be temptations out there, there's still going to be tribulation out there, but you can have peace. Isn't that what he says? See, that's why I love the Word of God because he uh, there's no excuses in the Word of God. It's not well you can have peace unless something bad happens and then it's just, it's too bad. That's the way the world talks about it. That's the way much of the world, the church talks too. Well, you know, you can't be at peace when there's just all the stuff going on. Well, that's when you can have peace is when the stuff's going on. There's no need for the peace of God when there's nothing going on. You already have peace. You need peace when there's things going on. You need peace when there's tribulation. You need peace when there's, when there's temptation. That's when you need the peace of God. There's no need for peace if everything's perfect, right? Uh, and so 
Uh, that's why this, this, this one little verse, you know, we keep mining more and more stuff out of this one verse, right? I mean, how many different things have we said about this one verse? Uh, and that's why I like starting with it every week because it's just, uh, it's like a gold mine. You know, gold mine, you ever seen how gold is mined? You know, they dig a big hole and they'll find a little string of, of they call it a vein uh, of, of gold. It's just a little gold stripe that runs through the, the, the rock, right? And if they follow that gold vein, it'll keep leading them to more and more gold. And sometimes you have to dig and find that vein and just, and just follow it until it stops, until it's, there's no more to it. And we haven't found the end of this verse yet, have we? Uh, so be of good cheer. You know, if you're at peace, it's easy to be of good cheer. Have you ever seen somebody that, that uh, is sad all the time? They, they never have read the first half of this verse, right? Because uh, he didn't say peace comes from lack of tribulation. Peace comes in the, uh, now peace isn't, isn't, isn't uh, from God only because there's tribulation. You can have peace all the time of your life, amen? Uh, and it's a great verse. And so, uh, so the, the part about overcoming, we can overcome. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And so uh, we have the right and the privilege to be at peace because he's overcome the whole world. Well, if Jesus has overcome the whole world, what have you overcome? The whole world, right? What's left? Nothing's left to overcome. If you've overcome the whole world, there's nothing left. Amen? Uh, and that would include if you go in the space station, that's part of the world. If you go to the moon, that's part of the world. If they fly to Mars, that's part of the world. I'm hoping I get the chance to find out. You know, if they call me up and say, hey, we need a pastor to go to the moon. Hey, I'm the man, right? Call me. You know, I'll go, right? Uh, and so if they need a pastor to start a church, I know I'd have to ask the Lord about it. But, you know, I'd ask, I'd ask real quick, right? You know, and, and I'm sure uh, that he would let me go, right? And so... We'll deal with that when we, when we cross that bridge. But if they need a pastor in Mars, I mean, somebody's got a pastor in Mars, right? They need a, they need a church in Mars, right? You know, uh, and so they'll, they'll go there and there'll be like three buildings, right? And they'll be like, oh, well, well, what's that building? Well, you know, that's where I live. Well, what's that building? Well, that's where I go to church. Well, what's the last building? Well, that's where I used to go to church. Uh, and so uh, we'll, we'll cover that when we get there, right? Uh, and so uh, that's, uh, um, uh, we're here in, in Revelation chapter 3. So the story is here in chapter 3, uh, really in chapter 2 and chapter 3, he's, he's talking to seven specific churches. Uh, now, there were way more than seven churches at this time. This is about the, the end of the first century. So by this time, you know, Paul had preached all over Asia and all over Europe uh, and, uh, and spread the word of God. The other disciples uh, had spread the word of God. Uh, you know, Philip was an evangelist. He was out preaching the gospel in Samaria and other places. Uh, so the word of God had increased and there were many churches in the world. And Jesus uh, specifically p- picked out seven churches that he needed to address some things about. Uh, and up to now, uh, he, ha- he started out with, hey, you're doing some good things. You're doing some things not so good. He got to the church at, uh, at Sardis here. And um, uh, in this one in particular, uh, let's read here in uh, verse 1. He said, and to the angel of the church of Sardis write, these things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. So this one, he starts out with a negative, right? Uh, the other ones, he start out, hey, you're doing some pretty good things over here. You're doing all right over there. But over here, you got to straighten up. Jesus said over here, you got, you're got you messed up all, all over the place. Now, later on, he talks about some good things. Uh, but really, uh, let's continue reading and see what he says, that uh, you have a name that you live and are dead. So, so he's talking about the whole church, right? And see, you know, churches can have reputations. Churches can have, uh, you know, personalities where, you know, what kind of, well, that's that wild church over there. Well, that's that, you know, that's the, uh, you know, one, there's one group of churches, they call them the frozen chosen, right? That's a group that just, 
I mean, you know, if Jesus showed up, they'd be like, if somebody got raised from the dead, you know, they just wouldn't move. Nothing happens, right? I mean, it looked the same before, during, and after, right? Uh, you know, every now and then, you just want to go up to somebody and just check their pulse, you know. Oh, yeah, okay, you're still alive, right? She wasn't sure because I couldn't tell. There was no movement, you know. I thought maybe you'd expired right there in the service, and, and uh, we want to make sure that there's still a pulse. Uh, and so, you know, so this church here had a reputation that you're alive. Hey, let's go to, to, the, to the living church down there, right? They're always doing wild things. But what did Jesus say was, was, the, was the actual situation? That they were dead. So the appearance of looking alive is not the goal, right? Well, we want to look alive, right? So we're going to get some disco balls. We're going to get some fake fog machines, right? We're going to, you know, unbutton our shirts. You know, we're going to grow our hair out. We're going to look alive. We're going to look the part, right? We're going to look cool and hip, right? We're going to wear skinny jeans. And, I mean, you know, skinny jeans on a fat person is still a fat person, right? I mean, you can put skinny jeans on a fat person all day long, and they're still fat, right? Uh, but, you know, we've we got to wear skinny jeans and untuck our shirts, right? Because it's cool, right? Uh, and um, uh, and it, it, that's, a, uh, that's the definition of cool. And that's the definition, definition of being alive, right? To look cool. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I put a little hair gel, but, you know, we'd have to really soup up some hair gel if we're going to be really cool uh, and have a hair straight up or something, maybe change some colors, two or three colors, you know. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, I don't really know what the goal is in that. But, uh, but, he, but Jesus said, you know, you have a name that you're alive, but you're really dead. That's tough. I mean, that, that would be really tough because that... that attitude right there is one of the hardest things to change when you've developed an appearance of being something that you're not uh, because to change that you've got to change w- what you appear like you know it's not just changing some things you know you're doing fine just make some adjustments that, that that's one thing but when jesus said you know you look like this but you're totally like that that really is the definition of a hi- of a hypocrite right uh, because the word hypocrite means to speak from behind a mask in other words you're one way on the inside, but you have a, an appearance of being a different way on the outside. And, and how much hypocrisy is in the church? Oh, I love you. I love you. And as soon as you get away from me, I can't stand that person. You know, count, you know. Well, just a second ago, you said you loved him. Well, I didn't really mean that, you know. Uh, so that's, that's having the appearance that you're alive, uh, but you're dead. Uh, and, and that is one of the, the, the most difficult things to change in your life. You know, years ago, the Lord started dealing with me just about the concept of sincerity. Uh, the, the, the King James calls it unfeigned, right? Uh, which means sincere. Unfeigned love, which means sincere. So have you, had, you, you ever had insincere love? Oh, how you doing? It's nice to see you. It's so good to see you, right? And you're like, you don't care that I'm here. Well, not really, but I just need to say that, right? I need to say that I'm glad to see you. I'm glad to see you. Are you really glad to see you? No, not really, but, you know, I just have to say that because that's what Christians do, right? They have the appearance of looking like I, I want to walk in love, uh, but they don't really walk in love because, you know, when they say, I'm glad to see you, are you really? Well, no, this is what you say. It's not what you say. I mean, you should, if, you, if you're going to say, I'm glad to see you, you should really mean that you're glad to see them, right? That's sincerity, right? But, but sincerity uh, you know chris was showing me this uh this video uh this is training video she's got to watch all kinds of training videos uh, and and my job uh, is to provide commentary on these videos that she has to watch right and i'm like i can't believe you said that. what's wrong with that you know and uh, and if, if 10 seconds into it, it's like that guy has no sincerity at all now he may think he's not you know you don't know what i'm talking about but just not sincere he's saying all these words they sound good but he's not sincere at all which means he doesn't believe anything he's saying He's saying them because that's what he's supposed to say, but he doesn't believe any of it. It's just, it's just, well, that's what we're supposed to say. 
Uh, and one of the hardest things for Christians to learn is to be sincere. You know, when you say something, you should really mean that. And if you don't mean anything, then just don't say anything. That, that's really a better way to do it. You know, don't go up and just say, oh, you know, that was wonderful. I remember, you know, remember years ago, we had this fellow get up in, uh, we used to do adult Sunday school class, and, and we'd rotate about who did it. You know, you get the call, and you do it. You know, you do it, and sometimes you do it for a week or a month. You know, I did it for several months at times, you know, depending on what it was. You know, and, uh, but, you know, it was a good opportunity for the pastor to allow other people that, you know, believe they were called to ministry to get opportunity to, to preach and minister and teach and do those things. And so this one fellow, he said he was called to ministry, so the pastor gave him an opportunity to do adult Sunday school class. You know, you do it, and, and it's just like a regular class, but you stand up pulpit, put a microphone on, you know, so just like preaching at a church. Uh, and so, but he got up and said, you know, I had studied or prayed all week. Uh, and I'm thinking, well, then let's close the service up, right? And that's what he started. He started out with, you know, I hadn't studied or prayed all week. And, and it's like, and then it went down from hill from there. I mean, where do you go from there, right? You've got to go downhill from there. And just really did a terrible job because of Stanford, you know, and, and, uh, and it's, not, it's not, you know, I'm not trying to be harsh on somebody because of their lack of experience. Uh, because, you know, if you studied and prayed and you gave it a good faith effort, then, then that's really... Because it takes a while to learn how to preach. It takes a while, a, a while to learn how to teach. It, there's, you know, there's gifting and callings, but there's also training and, and experience that, that's helpful to you. Uh, you're not going to be the best preacher the first time you get up behind the pulpit. Uh, and so, so you know, it, it's, fine to having, it's fine having some compassion on people and grace. But when they get up and say, I had not done nothing I'm supposed to do all week long, you know, and I'm going to sit up here and talk for 45 minutes, he should have just said, well, hey, can someone else, anybody else, anything? You know, just come up here and take the microphone because... Uh, and so, uh, so, you know, it was 45 minute class and, and, uh, you know, didn't say anything really for 45 minutes. And, uh, and so I had to go up and collect this microphone at the end of it. Uh, and, and I didn't say anything, you know, I just, you know, collected the microphone. I didn't say, well, it's the worst job I've ever heard, you know, and I mean, he didn't ask my opinion and I wasn't going to give it to him because, you know, you got to give everybody a shot and maybe you come back and do better the next time. I don't know. But as I'm taking his microphone, one of the, one of the other ladies coming to church says, oh, you did a great job. Well, that was a very insincere thing to say because it wasn't true at all. You know, but she was trying to say that to build them up. Uh, you know, if he'd asked me, I'd say, well, do better next time. Next time, you know, pray and study, right? That's what, I mean, I wouldn't have been unkind about it, but I would said, you know, pray and study. Do what you're supposed to do and then let the grace of the Lord uh, uh, help you how to deliver a message, right? And that'd have been fine. Uh, he didn't ask, so I didn't tell. But she came up and said, oh, you did a great job. Well, it's not true at all. Not even close to true. So, you know, sometimes we think that we have to have an appearance of being something, of being encouraging. But lying to encourage is not helpful. It's not sincere. It's not the reality of what the word says. Now, some people would take the other. Well, I just had to tell them the truth. That was the worst job I ever had. You should just quit your job. Don't, don't even preach ever again. Well, I just had to tell them the truth. Well, that's not necessarily walking in love. You know, you, can, you said you didn't study or pray. So next time, study and pray. Now, that would have been okay to encourage them that way, right? Do what you're supposed to do. And we'll see how you do next time. Uh, and so, but, but Jesus said to this church, you have a name. The whole church got a name. When, when you go out in the community, what, tell me about that church. Oh, they're alive. There's a living church over there. They're alive. They're, they're, they're hip. They're cool. They're, they're, they're on their way. Uh, and Jesus said, yeah, you've got that name. He said, but when I look at you, there's no pulse. Just be. In other words, uh, the dead, that means there's no life of God in the church. That's tough, right? Yeah. You remember when Eli died and, and then, uh, his, uh, then, then uh, the woman was, I don't know if it was his, his uh, daughter-in-law or uh, I think it was his daughter-in-law, right, that had the child. 
And what did they name the child? Ichabod. Remember what Ichabod means? Ichabod says the glory of God has left Israel. Because remember the Philistines came and stole the ark, right? They stole the ark out of the nation of Israel. Eli died. He fell over. He was fat. He fell over died. I don't know why he was fat. Do you just fall over in chairs more when you're fat? I don't know, but that's what it says, right? He fell over because he's fat. Uh, and so, uh, and then he died, and then, and then the, the child was born. They named him Ichabod. All of his life, he was called the glory has left Israel. Uh, and a church that's alive, that has, has the name of being alive, but is actually dead, is an Ichabod church. It's a church that has no glory in it, no power in it, no ability to, to help the lives of people. It just has the ability to make people feel good in their emotions. Now, that's not living, right? You know, your emotions are not what defines you, right? Your emotions are part of you, but they don't define who you are, right? You, you have the ability to control your emotions, right? Uh, and so that's a pretty tough, that's a tough thing. I mean, isn't that a tough uh, a declaration from the Lord? You have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. Uh, and, and so he went on. Let's just read a couple more uh, uh, parts of these verses here. Uh, he said, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. So uh, he, he is encouraging them. You know, there is a spark of life somewhere in you. Because every church, you know, uh, if it's really sincere when they started, they start out with a desire to follow God. Uh, now, you, you probably have some churches that are there just there to, to pad their own pockets or whatever. But, you know, it sounds like this church started out with a, with a correct desire to follow God. He says, strengthen those things which remain. So they lost some things, but there's still some things there. And that's probably the case in nearly everybody. There's very few people that are so degenerate, there's no help for them. Uh, there's no hope for them. But this whole church, there was still hope for them. And Jesus, Jesus said, strengthen those things which remain, uh, that, that are ready to die. So there have been some things that have died out of their life, uh, out of the life of this church, but there are some things still available that if they, if they will focus on them, they can resurrect them and get them back and strengthen where they should be. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. So, you know, that doesn't mean that their works are uh, evil and sinful, right? Uh, and, and so let, let's, look at, uh, let's look at a couple of verses. Let's go back to the book of Hebrews real quick. Hebrews chapter 6. In Hebrews chapter 6, he says in verse 1, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, there are principles of the doctrine of Christ, uh, let us go on unto perfection. And he lists what, the, what, the, what these principles are here in just a minute. Uh, let us go on to perfection or maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. And he goes on and talks about the other ones. So repentance from dead works. So a dead work is a work that there's no life in it. Uh, it's kind of a, maybe an obvious definition, right? But... Uh, see, when we think uh, of bad works, we think of sinful things like, well, you know, we're we're, you know, doing uh, gambling in the church or, you know, whatever that's 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 un immoral or unethical. But that's not what it means to have a dead work. Uh, it means to have a work that there's no life of God in it. In other words, you're doing it, but God never instructed you to do it. So he's not blessing that work. It's just something you think you should do. Right. Uh, and whatever it is, you know, we're not going to name anything in particular, but maybe you pick some work. Well, we're going to do this thing. We're going to be the church that does this thing. Well, did God tell you to do a thing? No, but, but if we do that, it brings people into the church. Well, that's great. But if God didn't tell you to do it, then that's a dead work. See, if God's not instructed you to do that, then it's a dead, it has no life of God in it. 
So, so the world may not be able to measure that that's a sinful thing. Even other people in the church may not be able to look and go, well, that's a sinful thing. God's spoken against that thing. And he said, don't do that. Uh, but Jesus can look at that and go, I never, I never anointed that particular work for you to do that. I never put my spirit of, uh, 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 of the living God upon that work. You just did it because you wanted it. You did it because you wanted to have a name. You did it because you wanted to be seen. You did it because you wanted to be known as that church. Uh, and, and it's pretty tough, isn't it? Dead works, right? He said, what did he tell them to do in, in the book of Hebrews? Repent, change, change course. Well, we can't stop doing that. Just stop doing that. It's not hard. Just, hey, next week, we're not doing that anymore. Well, what about all that? You know, now listen, uh, I have seen lots of churches just go from one pendulum swing to the other pendulum swing and people are just left spitting their heads all the time. You know, you should use some grace and wisdom in how to, to stop doing those things, right? But you can stop doing it. There's no reason you can't stop doing it. Say, it's time to change. We're going to move on and do something else. Uh, but a lot of times people just, just you know, uh, I remember uh, years ago, uh, Brother Hagen, the Lord Jesus had appeared to him in a vision. And he was talking about several things. And, uh, and out of that came the book, Plans, Purposes, Pursuits, about what we're doing. You know, why are we doing the things we're doing, right? What's our plans? What's the purposes? And what's our pursuits, right? Why are we doing the things we're doing? Uh, and, and that's really the whole book. The whole purpose of the book is to examine for all of us. Why are we doing the things we're doing in church? Right. Why are we doing? And so one of the things the Lord Jesus specifically talked about was clapping. He said clapping is neither praise nor worship. Right. And we've talked about that here on occasion. Uh, and, and, you know, it's fine to clap during songs. It's fine to, you know, clap uh, when when, you know, if you want to applaud somebody for, for doing something. But we don't applaud God. He, he's to be worshipped, not to be applauded. He's not a man. He, he's to be worshipped. Uh, and so. So uh, he was trying to say that too many times we, we applaud God. You know, somebody gives a word from the Lord and we applaud God, right? Uh, so, somebody speaks in other tongues and interprets that, we applaud God. Somebody gets a prophecy, we applaud God. Well, we don't applaud God. He's, he's not a man. He's not a president, a governor. He, he's, he, he's, he's the God Almighty, amen? We worship. We, he said, lift up your hands, amen, uh, and to worship him. Uh, and so, you know, he, he put that out there because there's a lot of, you know, we bring a lot of worldly things into the church. Well, let's applaud the pastor for such a good message. You know, I don't need your applause. I don't need your worship either. We thank God for, for the message because it comes from him. Uh, and so, but the church I was going to uh, uh, in, in Alabama, uh, the, like the next day, the pastor got up and says, we're not clapping anymore for anything. We're not clapping for songs. We're not clapping, you know, or applauding anybody. We're not, we're not, don't ever put your hands together. Well, that's really awkward when you sing an upbeat song, right? You're singing a song that's fast. Now, if it's a slow worship song, well, you can, you know, it's, it's natural to raise your hands. But if it's a, you know, he picked me up or whatever song it is, it's hard not to clap at that song, right? Because uh, that, that's, you know, I've got a little bit of rhythm. I, you know, I can't sing much, but I can usually clap on the beat. And whether it's a one, three beat or a two, four beat. Now, I usually have to watch Christmas to find out what that is. Uh, again, I don't know who makes those rules, but somebody makes a rule. Well, that's a one, three beat. Well, that should be obvious. Well, how is that obvious? I mean, who makes these rules, right? Uh, but I can usually clap on the beat. It may just not be the right beat. Now, some people, just, they're free. They just clap, you know. They can't, you know. They just, it's like, okay, well, you know, uh, maybe, maybe we need to have a clapping class, right? Okay, here's a beat. That's when you clap, right? Uh, and so, but, the, but it just, I mean, it was like a bucket of water on, the, on every worship service because you couldn't clap. So, so, so he, he threw the baby out with the bathwater, right? And sometimes... We make those large swings. We, we go in the wrong direction. Instead of finding the grace to change like we should uh, and adjusting that as we need to and, and easing into it, sometimes we just rip the bandit off and then and just say, well, just get over it. 
Uh, and after a while, they had to, you know, because it, people just would clap anyway. Now, people will, will applaud anyway. I've told you about the stories with, with uh, uh, Dr. Dufresne, people clapping no matter what, they, what he asked them to do. Uh, so there, there are uh, dead works, right? There are works that, that are not alive. There are works that do not have the Spirit of God in them. That doesn't mean they're evil works, right? They're not sinful works in and of themselves. They're just works that do not have the life of God in them. And, and a church always has to be careful of not uh, uh, filling up every moment of everybody's life with works that are not empowered by the presence of God, right? It doesn't mean that, that you're going to be slain in the spirit every time you change a diaper, right? It just, it just means that, that, uh, that whatever you're doing should be uh, motivated by the spirit of God, the will of God for that church, right? And I think every church can be different. There's nothing wrong with every church being different. But if the church is only one to have a name, right? Uh, uh, well, that's, that's, okay. When you talk about that, well, that's that church over there, right? Uh, it, but every church will have a reputation, but, but what's the goal? You know, I mean, our reputation is a result of what we do. We're not trying to have a reputation. It's just we do what we do and we have a reputation, right? Uh, and I don't know what our reputation is. Uh, I don't really care because I don't care about the, what, what the reputation is. I just want to do what the Lord says. But let's look at one, one other verse here in First Timothy before we get back to our church here. In First Timothy chapter 6 here, First Timothy chapter 5. Let's see, I'm in Second Peter. I got a long way to go back here. 1 Timothy chapter 5, he says in uh, verse 6, well, let's just read, let's read in uh, verse 3. He said, honor widows that are widows indeed, but if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable for God. Now, she that is a widow indeed and desolate, trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. Uh, doing things as she pleases, you know, uh, is what he's saying there. Living in pleasure is dead while she, she liveth. So what he's saying is that widows uh, need to be, you know, focusing on God, right? Uh, they should trust God, continued supplications of prayers night and day. Uh, and so because, you know, Paul talks a lot about, you know, it's better to not marry because if you're married, then you've got to take care of the person. You know, you've got to pick up their socks. You've got to, you know, mow the yard. You know, he said, if you're not married, just, you know, let her go, right? Just focus on God all the time and don't ever have to eat, change your underwear or nothing, you know, just focus on God. Uh, and so, and that's what he said, but widows here, they need to be focusing more on God as, as they transition in their life. He said, but those that are living uh, and doing as they please are dead. Now, are they physically dead? Have they expired? Have they, have they gone home to be with the Lord? No, that's not what he was talking about. He's talking about, the, he said, the word dead there means living without power. And that's what Jesus is talking about the church. He said, you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. Now, they're, they're, still, they're not dead. They're not, they haven't all died unmasked. They haven't closed the church down. The church is still alive. The church is still going. People are still attending the church. He said, but there's, but there's no power in that church. And so how many churches are, are in existence today that have no power? That don't know how to pray for people. You know, uh, I talked to a fellow years ago. He he was trying to get his church uh, to teach something on healing. And they said, well, we don't believe in healing. And he kept on going to the church. And he's like, well, why are you still going to the church? You know, they never lay hands on you for healing. They never teach you about healing. Uh, they don't, so they're alive, but they have no power. Uh, and, and that's a tough way to be, right? Uh, in fact, uh, we're in, in 1 Timothy. Just turn over to 2 Timothy uh, over there in chapter 3. Paul said this. 
uh, verse 1, This know also that in the last days perilous or dangerous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. That's a pretty steep list right there, right? I think we live in every single one of those today, don't you? <laughs> I mean, uh, so if Paul said those things were going on in his time, and he called those the last days, then surely we're in the last of the last days, right? 11.59 in uh, 59 seconds, right, of the last day. Uh, and so, but he said, having a form of godliness. In other words, having a name that you're alive, right? Having the appearance that you're alive, having the appearance that you're godly, but denying the power thereof. Denying that word power there is supernatural miracle working power. And he said, this is, this is a cause for a, a church, a whole church. This was, their, this was their reputation. They had a form of godliness. Oh, you go to that church, they're godly people. They have a form of godliness. But what? They deny the supernatural miracle work and power of God. How many times in church you hear, well, God doesn't speak to you. God doesn't do miracles. God doesn't heal. God doesn't raise the dead. God doesn't, you know. Uh, do supernatural intervention in the natural course of men's lives. I mean, you know, well, if God wants to do it, he will, which says he's never going to do it, right? I mean, because they don't really believe God to ever do it. He, they just maybe hope he might do it. Uh, but this is in the last days, right? And Jesus called the church out that was in this exact place, right? The form of godliness, but they denied the power. There was no power in that church, no supernatural power in that church, amen? And yet people go to the church every week. What draws people to the church like that? I, that, that? You know, that I don't know. Uh, I mean, I've been to a lot of different churches. And the only thing I ever wanted in church, I didn't care how big it was, how small it was, you know, whether they faced north or south or east or west. I, you know, I, just, I didn't care as long as there was power in the church. Uh, and, and so I've never cared about how big a church was. But you know how many people have told me I can't go to a small church? You know, they come to our church. I don't, you know, it's a small church. Well, if y'all came, it wouldn't be a small church, right? Uh, and... and uh, but see, is that what's important? A small church? I mean, I give, I'd pass by a thousand big churches to get to a church with life in it. Now, that doesn't mean that it's either or, right? It doesn't mean that when we get 500 people that we're going to no longer have life. We will have life. We get 500 people, we're still going to be alive, right? Uh, with the power of God. We're still going to lay hands on the sick, speak with other tongues, amen? Raise the dead if we have to. Uh, and so, uh, so there's not, it's not... Because some people even pre you ever hear people preach again. Well, big churches, you know, they can't be godly. Church at Jerusalem had 80,000 people in it. Amen. Just think if we had 80,000 people in our church, we'd have to probably knock a wall out, right? Yeah. Or go vertical. Maybe we put two rows of chairs on top of each other, right? I don't know. But, um, uh, but see, uh, Paul, this is a warning. These are the last days. When these things start happening, we're in the last days. When churches are just in existence to have the appearance of being alive, but they're dead. Now, now see... This is not for us to point a finger at that church down the street. That is not the purpose of Jesus saying this. This is the purpose of, for us to look in our own hearts. Is our church alive? Are we, are we moving in the power of God? Do we want the presence of God in our church? This is not to, to point fingers at that guy over there. This is, to look in, in, this is for us, right? Because he spoke this to the church, right? We are the church. And so we don't look at these things and go, oh, yeah, he's talking about that guy over there. 
you know, that's not our job. We don't, we don't, we don't diss other churches. I, are you going to that church? You can't be going to the church because you're here right now, right? So how do you know what's going on there? Well, I heard. Well, you know, Jesus knows because he's Jesus. But unless you're there, it's just, it's just gossip, right? Uh, and so, so for us, we have to make sure that we do not just have a goal of having a form of godliness, right? If your goal is to only look like a Christian but not be a Christian, remember what Paul told Timothy? He said, be a witness. He didn't say go and witness to people and say things to people. He said, be a witness. That's who you are. So you should be a person who is uh, a person of power, right? And a church should be a church that's not just wanting to have a form or an appearance of godliness. Well, we're really good. We don't do anything wrong. But some churches really believe that. We do nothing wrong. Is that right? <laughs> that's, that's really impressive, right? Uh, and so, uh, so it's a warning to us, right? All of these things that he talked about really in, in second, uh, uh, Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 are a warning to all of our churches today, right? Uh, all of these aspects, even though there's seven different churches, everything in there are warnings for, and, and were written for our admonition so that we look to our own selves. Lord, are we doing any of these things? Are, is our goal only to have the appearance of looking like a church, but we don't really care if there's any power going on in people's lives? We don't really care about ever laying hands on people or casting out devils or, or, or praying for the sick or... Uh, having victory to overcome all temptations in our life. That's not really important. What's really important is we have the biggest playground of anybody in town, right? That, that's, 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 because uh, that's really good. That's a good goal, right? To have biggest playground, biggest gymnasium, right? Now, does the Lord care if you have a playground? No, right? And if we ever have a playground here, go, oh, oh, we've really lost it now. We finally got a playground. We've really lost it. It ain't got nothing to do with the playground, right? What's our goals in life, though? What's our goals as a church? Amen. If we got enough, enough children around here, that would be helpful for us to have a playground. Then praise God, you know. But we got these nice big trees out there. Kids going to climb those trees, right? That's cheaper than, than uh, paying $100,000 for these fancy playgrounds. Just give them a tree, right? Anybody ever climb trees? Uh, you know, I got one brother. He, he's the, uh, I'm the youngest, and then the next two above me are twins. And, and that one brother, for whatever reason, he kept messing everything up. Uh, and so, uh, so we used to, of course, we lived in New Hampshire, right? So we go sledding every winter, right? And, and the goal is to go as fast as you can, break the wind, sound barrier, you know, just that's what you want to try to do. Go as fast as you can down these hills, right? Well, so we're going, he's going down the hill one day, and so he steps out, he holds out his arm to try and stop him. Well, you're going down a hill pretty fast, right? And so he breaks his wrist. And so mom said, no more sledding ever again. Well, we live in New Hampshire. That's what the only thing you can do in the wintertime is, you know, otherwise look at each other and, and be cold. Uh, but you sled, right? And I what you, you all, you from New York, right? You sled, right? You're from New York. You used to go in sleds, right? Uh, and so in Tennessee, you know, what's a, you don't know what a sled is, right? You, know, you, you go to New Hampshire, you know what a sled is. Uh, and so, so he ruined it for us. And then, and then, uh, and then, uh, uh, then he was climbing a tree one day, and, and he fell out of a tree, broke his shoulder, messed up his shoulder. Mom said, "No more climbing trees." How why do you keep ruining everything for us? You know. Uh, and so, uh, so maybe we had to get a playground after that. But, um, but that, yeah, that one brother just kept ruining things for us. And, uh, and so we had to tell him, you can't do anything. Because if you do it, you're going to mess it up. And then we can't do it. Uh, no, it's not about uh, having the biggest playground. And, uh, you know, uh, we always have to make sure that our hearts are always to, to have the most power we can in the church. Anything else we do is fine, right? But as long as we don't say, well, you know, we won't get as many people if we keep focusing on power. So we're going we're to stop focusing on power. We're going to focus on playgrounds, right? Focus on gymnasiums. 
So, so that's the issue, right? It's what's your focus, right? What, what's your goal to have the appearance of? I want the goal for us to have the appearance that that's the church of power. Uh, that's a church where if you want the power of God to move in your life, then that's where you need to go to church. Amen. Because that's really every church should be that way, right? Uh, and so, so the, and I think that's a pretty appropriate goal, amen? Because Jesus, if you're not careful, you will only try to have an appearance of being something that you're really not. So is that a warning for all of us? It's a warning for us, right? It's a warning for this church. It's not a warning for that church over there. It's a warning for this church, right? That we have to stay focused uh, and, and desire to have a church with power, amen? That way, uh, when we need to pray for shoulders to, to, to recover, they recover, right? Uh, we pray for our, our dogs and cats at home, they recover, amen? That's a church of power, amen? Uh, and so uh, I think we're about out of time today. So why don't we uh, finish up there and we'll, we'll pick it up again next week. And, and uh, he does give them a little bit of hope later on, you know, in, uh, for the church at Sardis. But, um, uh, but I just want to encourage you, uh, always be careful about these warnings. These are serious warnings, right? Uh, and make sure that our goal is aligned with the goal of the Lord Jesus. That, that we want our church to be a church of power, not a church of, of reputation or a church of this or that, a church of power. Uh, and everything else will flow from that, right? Uh, you know, the church at Jerusalem had 80,000 people. What, do you, what things do you think they could do with 80,000 people? Whatever they wanted to do, right? I mean, you know, you've got enough people around you, you can do whatever you want to. Uh, and that was fine, right? No problem with having a lot of people running around. No problem with having things running around. Uh, you know, and I'm not going to say anything we could do if we had 80,000 people, but there's just a lot of things you can do uh, with 80,000 people, amen? And, uh, I mean, we'd have to have to expand the, the borders of Dayton, Tennessee if we had 80,000 people, right? Uh, which would be okay, amen? Uh, and so uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Father, for these warnings that you've given to the church. Father, these are not warnings that we use to, to disparage other churches. These are warnings that you've given to us to review for our, for our church, Father, to make sure that we are, do not have a goal to be alive but dead, Father, to have a name and a reputation that we're alive, but in reality have no power operating in our church. Father, we want the Spirit of God to move freely for signs, wonders, and diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost to be manifested in operation as you see fit, Father, uh, and to desire that. In fact, you told us many times to desire spiritual gifts, Father, to, to desire things pertaining to and of the Holy Ghost. And so, Father, we'll do that. And we'll see you move in our lives. And we'll see you do great and mighty things uh, in our midst. And we thank you for these things, Father. And we give you the praise and the honor for the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? Uh, he's good all the time. And, and um, uh, you know, I've really been enjoying these uh, messages about the church because you know, they kind of hit home when he's talking to the church, right? It's, oh, then we got to look at our own selves. And, and I've been enjoying going through and making sure, Lord, we make, may, may need to make some adjustments. I don't know, you know, uh, whatever he tells us to do, we'll be glad to do it. Amen. Uh, and so let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And um, I think I told you last week, we got the letter in the mail that, are, that we are now debt free. Uh, and so, and we also got the invoice for the building next door, right? Uh, so, so that checks in the mail there. Uh, and so we won't owe anybody anything after that, right? Uh, and so come ahead, Mr. Jared. Uh, and um, uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't say, well, then I don't have to give anymore. You know, you just, you just keep being faithful, amen? Uh, the Lord will let us do whatever, whatever we need to do, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so we, we thank the Lord for that, amen? We thank the Lord for being good to our ministry and allowing us to do the things that he's asked us to do. 
And uh, what are we going to do with that building next door? Well, I, you know, we'll see what the Lord tells us to do, right? If he tells us to do other things, we'll do other things. Amen. Uh, and so I'm not under any pressure about it. Are you, are you under any pressure about it? It's not going anywhere, right? Uh, and so uh, we'll, we'll just do whatever the Lord tells us to do. Amen. Uh, and so we'll just take a break for just a minute. We'll unhook. And then uh, if you've got just a minute, uh, we'll have a volunteer meeting here. And that way all the, all the children can be released right into the wild. And then, uh, and then we can have a volunteer meeting there. So, uh, all right, well, you be blessed and you're dismissed.